Welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. This podcast explores what it means to make life less difficult for each other and for ourselves. We share stories of struggles and successes because we believe sharing our stories eases the difficulty of life. I'm Lisa Tilstra, your host. Let's jump in to today's conversation. My guest today is Alan Questel. Alan is known for his clarity, creativity, and down-to-earth style of teaching. He brings a depth of understanding, humor, and gentle human perspective while creating lively conditions for learning. Alan has taught thousands of people in over 20 different countries. He was trained by Dr. Feldenkrais and has created numerous Feldenkrais programs over the years. Alan was an actor before becoming a trainer in the Feldenkrais methodology. He's also an author of the books, Creating Creativity, Embodying the Creative Process, and Practice Intentional Acts of Kindness and Like Yourself More, which we talk about during our conversation today. This book holds deep wisdom and practical exercises to take action and practice intentional kindness, as well as find more ways to like yourself more. This conversation with Alan is such a delight for so many reasons. Alan and I didn't know each other at all before recording this conversation, and it was so easy to connect and dive into discovery with him. Alan, thank you for sharing with me in this conversation. Thank you for sharing these pieces of your story, for sharing your wisdom, and your passion for helping others connect more with themselves and others through kindness. If you'd like to connect with Alan, you will find links in the show notes, or you can go to uncommonsensing.com. Alan, welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you, and conversations like the one I'm about to have with you are always very intriguing and exciting for me because you and I do not know each other. We just met uh, moments ago as we got on Zoom, and it was through the good graces of other people in the universe that we got connected, and I'm I'm just really looking forward to getting know, to know more about you, your story, your journey, and the work that you do in the world. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to that, too. And go ahead and start. Ask me any questions, and I'm happy to jump in. All right. So I'm going to start with one question that I ask all of my guests, and that is around this idea of making life less difficult. The name of my podcast, Make Life Less Difficult, comes from a quote by Marianne Evans that says, what do we live for if not to make life less difficult for each other? And I would love to hear, what does that mean to you? Making life less difficult. Well, you know, I, my, my first impulse is to flip it a little bit and to say, well, how can we make our lives easier? And because, look, we, we all face difficulties, and, and I think it's something we all encounter. And I guess I, I think about it in terms of what what means or what tools do we have to make life less difficult, to make life easier? And that's something that's actually been an interest of mine. I think I, I, I might verbalize it in a little bit of a different way. And, and my journey kind of started out with this idea of how can we come to like ourselves more? Mm. So that it's, it's in a really an immediate personal, and a very concrete thing. 
that I'm interested in that helps make our lives easier, make our lives less difficult. Mm. And of course, this idea of, of liking ourselves more, that's a challenge in itself, right? So I, I would say that, you know, if, if I like myself more, my life is less difficult, right? Doesn't mean it excludes difficulty, but maybe I have more means to encounter the difficulties because of how I feel about myself with myself and then how that can extend towards others as well. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Alan. And you really here at the end of your comments kind of get to the heart of, of what this means to me. And I couldn't agree more that learning to like ourselves can indeed make life less difficult and, and hopefully in some ways makes life easier as well. Um, part of the reason why I choose the the language around making life less difficult is because of some things in life, there's, there's no way to make easier, easier. And yet I have repeatedly in my life had people and experiences and transformations in my own life, even such as learning to like myself more that make it less difficult, right? Like those really difficult times can be made just a little less difficult. And and I'm all for making life easier when we can as well. (laughs) So um, yeah, I love this. And and, um, I'd love to hear you say more about this idea of learning to like ourselves more and how it came to be so important to you. Because I think it factors into when I can do that for myself, it actually expands to others as well is what I've found. So what has been your journey to? Well, you know, I'm going to jump back a little bit because you'd said something that really woke up something in me about, because I agree a hundred percent that life is filled with challenges and difficulties. And part of the work that I do in addition to, to the book I just wrote is something called the Feldenkrais method. And there's two modalities to it that's one hands-on, one's in classes. And in one of my classes once, one of the students asked me, what's the point of this work anyway? And, you know, I was like, I, I, I don't know, you got here. Why would, you know, I mean, I didn't invite you. You decided to pay for this course and come here. And I said, well, I guess the point of this work is to make our lives easier and more comfortable. And she was satisfied with that answer, but I wasn't. And I came back the next week for the class, and I said, I want to add something to that. That the point of this work is to learn how to struggle well. Mm-hmm. So that the difficulties we have, we have the means and the capacity to navigate them and move through them and get to the other side. So I just had to say that because you made me think of that again. Um mm-hmm. So the journey of, of, of me exploring this idea of liking ourselves more, it started out with the workshop I was creating around self-image. And the more I investigated self-image, without being reductionistic, I started to think our self-image is a reflection of how much I like myself or how much I don't like myself. So if I have a good self-image, I like myself. If I don't have a good self-image, I don't like myself. And after a period of time of playing with this idea, a few years actually, I actually started to think this is my job to help people like themselves more. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, and I always ask a group, I'll say, is there anyone here who doesn't want to like themselves more? 
and there's always a kind of sheepish grin. And I've never, never, and that's a strong word, met anyone who doesn't want to like themselves more. Even the people who, they'll say, I already like myself. I say, great. Would you like to like yourself more? Well, of course. No one would disagree with that. And the question is, well, there's a few things, actually. The first thing is when we, most people, when they start to consider this idea of liking ourselves more, the first things that come up are all the things we don't like about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to be really kind and gentle with ourselves. And then we can investigate how we like ourselves more. And I would say, for the most part, and I include myself in this too, we do it externally. We get new clothes or new haircut or, 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 or a new partner, a new house, home, um, a new car. I always laugh because if you ever have the chance to get a new car, you're driving around like the king or queen of the world for a year. Because when that year is up, the next model comes out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, longing and want and silly things like that. It's crazy. Cars a perfectly fine car. You know, so these external things are kinds of rewards for us or and they work. There's no question. And I wouldn't eliminate them or what I want to for myself. But what I got interested in is to see how could we generate this idea of liking ourselves more internally. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned a, a short while ago about the work that I do in the classes and that story about the woman. And so in the classes, There are movement sequences that I lead people through that affect changes in breathing, posture, range of movement, movement, reduction of pain. And they're done very slow and very small. And then I started playing with the idea, and I would ask people in the class this question while they were doing the movements, are you moving in a way that you like the way it feels? And if the answer to that is yes, great. But if if that changes something, that's significant. That means I can place my attention with myself and how I feel and what I'm doing in a different way. And the interesting thing about these movements is that there's no big outcome other than the quality of how I move. And what I discovered over the years is by moving in a way that we like the way it feels, it kind of enters in through the back door. And I'm not talking about dancing through the streets or anything like that. I'm talking about just feeling like if I get up from my desk to go get a cup of coffee or tea, to just have the moment of, can I move with more pleasure in a way that I like the way it feels? Hmm. And I think one of the best examples of this, so the trainings I run it run in the Feldenkrais Method, they're four years long, so they're quite wow. in-depth. And one group many years ago in Australia, when I was first playing with this idea, um, I call their name up when they graduated, give them a certificate, and they'd hug me. I can't tell you how many people whispered in my ear, I like myself. Mm. You know, that made it so worthwhile, everything that I'm doing. And it continues like that. And I also want to be clear that, like, they, they didn't say, and I don't believe that after a period of time, oh, I'm done, I like myself. I'm still learning to like myself more. And in fact, the better I get at liking myself more, the next level of liking myself more is a bigger challenge than I ever imagined. Hmm. 
So it kind of, it's led me into a, a, a path that I didn't quite expect that it's more work, but I have more means to do it. It's like I said earlier, in terms of moving past the difficulty, I have more tools how to do it. And, mm-hmm. and maybe the, the one of, so I, I think instead of thinking about it as a place that we arrive at, I think we can look at it as that I don't spend as much time not liking myself. Mm, yeah, I like that. If I'm in a difficult situation. I don't linger in there as long. I get out of it quicker. So it's not to eliminate these things. That's a part of being human, I think. You know? mm. So that's part of the path that led me, that led me here. To that point of it part of being part of being human, what are your thoughts about why is it part of being human to not like ourselves? That's What's that about? Question. Yeah, that I, I, I've thought about that quite a bit. And I, you know, it, it's like if I look at a child, well, not all children, unfortunately, many children like themselves. So where do we give up that quality? Where do we lose that? And, and yeah. so some of it comes from just the cultures that we live in. And, and, and I teach in, in, in pretty much all over the world, and I haven't met a culture that doesn't struggle with that. I haven't. And it's something that, is it innately human? Is it, is it part of um, like falling from grace and then recovering grace again when we, when we learn to like ourselves more? Um, and, and I don't, I'm not so sure that the not liking ourselves or the difficulties we have are bad because they're the things that move us forward more. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be the, the the instigator for growth, for development, for mm-hmm. wanting something like that. And I think that, yeah, I, I I've I've thought about this in some. What would it be like to go to a really primitive culture? I mean, unaffected by the the, the worlds of the, the the worlds that we know. You know, the first world and. To see, did they still struggle with that? And you know, it comes to mind. Did you ever see the movie "The Gods Must Be Crazy"? Yes, I have. So you know, th- so this Coca-Cola bottle falls out of an airplane, lands in this very primitive tribe, and all of a sudden, it becomes the source of fighting, of jealousy, of all these problems that they didn't have before, mm-hmm. right? And so that, to me, shows that it's it's like it's not. Even in a culture that was lived a satisfying and happy life, there's got to be something that enters into it that disturbs, disrupts it, or perturbs it mm. in a way. Mm-hmm. But I think of the perturbation as a kind of maybe you know we can look at it from a bigger, wider point of view as a kind of spiritual practice. Mm. If we're not challenged by anything, how do we develop ourselves? How do we become better human beings? You know. Yeah. You know, in, in all the years that I've been teaching, I've encountered so many difficulties in teaching. And sometimes it's the individual personality of a student. Sometimes it's an event that happens in a group that's disturbing in some way. And I have the, the hubris to think that every time I encounter one of these and move beyond it, I feel, hmm, okay, 
got it under control now. And then the next one that comes along is totally unexpected, bites me in the ass, and it throws me off. off. And I'm like, oh, I never would have thought of this one. And I, I finally got enough humility to go, when things are going really good, I'm like, just keep breathing because you have no idea what's going to come next. <laughs> so, so I think it's a human condition. I wish I could say it wasn't, but I don't know. I think it's part of our growth, maybe. It definitely seems to be. I Here's a question for you, and, and let me catch it a little bit in my own experience because I'm very curious to hear a, a little bit more about your personal journey. Um, I think back on my life and there was a period of time where I had no awareness that I didn't like myself. And then there became this awareness that I didn't like myself. And I think about different things that I was taught as a child that really supported that, that I shouldn't like myself, that that was egocentric and um, some religious beliefs I was taught and some different things. And they were taught to me with very good intention. and. Yeah from a place of love and caring. And then I got to a point where I thought, wow, these I don't actually benefit from this set of beliefs anymore. And I would like to move into a new space and really learn to like myself. And so I, I kind of track a journey of, of awareness and you know work and things like that. And I'm curious for you, is is there anything in, in like a similar pathway or, or what is your pathway? What are the markings of oh, yeah. awareness and consciousness and then growth? And, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, on, on one hand, if, if, if we live our life without the awareness of that, it's kind of a non-reflective life. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not. And I know people like this. They're just not interested in reflecting on themselves, which is fine. That's their choice, you know. The idea of awareness, because I teach awareness basically, and if I if I think about it, sometimes when I teach and we're talking about awareness, I say, okay, I'm going to give you the bad news about awareness now. Okay, so there's two things. The so one thing is when the light of awareness shines itself on us, it doesn't discriminate. People mm-hmm. think when we become aware, we're only going to become aware of the positive things. Well. <laughs> no, if you become aware, you become aware of everything, and it's pretty uncomfortable at times. Yes. That's not the bad. There's even worse news. The worst news is that awareness is irreversible. Mm-hmm. You can't become unaware again. So you true. can't become ignorant. You know? And so the the idea of awareness is like it's like a path that once you start on it, you're going to be on it the rest of your life. And again, it comes back to the thing we spoke about earlier about do I have the tools to maintain that forward motion on it not that regression wouldn't be part of it it needs to be part of it but that I keep moving forward like that and when you describe your journey a little bit so I I, I was practicing the Feldenkrais method for a period of time and I finally became an assistant trainer from a practitioner to an assistant trainer and I was—I had the good fortune many years ago to work with a man named Jerzy Grotowski, and he was the director of the Polish Theater Laboratory. I was an actor before I did this other work, okay. and so—and he was quite well known in the avant-garde theater in the 70s. Um, 
it was one of the big influences in, in people like Peter Brook and all of the new theater that was being done. And I started working with him when I was 20 years old. I got picked for this workshop. I was very fortunate in that sense. So later on, a few years later, a number of years later, um, I get a phone call from someone inviting me to a screening of a film that he did about working with ancient songs with actors in Italy. Hmm. And I said, yeah, oh, I'd love to come. And I said, can I bring my wife? I was married at the time. And they said, no, surprise me. Anyway, I get there and it's like the top people in the new theater in New York City. So wow. it was really a gift. And I hadn't seen Yerzi for a while. I don't know. Did you ever, there's another movie called My Dinner with Andre. And in that movie, Andre Gregory and Wally Shawn, Andre is talking about his experiences working with Grotowski. But in any case, I go up to Grotowski and I say, Yerzi, I haven't seen you in a number of years. I'm wondering if we could talk. And he said, I'm leaving in three days. And I said, me too. And he said, okay, how about dinner tomorrow night? So we go out to dinner. And I said, I'm in this weird place. I'm now an assistant trainer in my work, and I'm I'm becoming more and more the teacher, but I'm also looking for a teacher, and mm -hmm. I really haven't found a new one yet. And I said, and I'm trying to find my own voice. And he said, how did Feldenkrais find his own voice? And, I, and Feldenkrais was a physicist, a martial artist. He developed his whole work from his bad knees. So I said, well, his, his um, infirmity was his bad knees. And Wotowski um, looked at me and went, hmm. And I went, hmm, what's my infirmity? Is it, is, it, is it my size? No, I think I'm much bigger than I am. Is it my humor? No, that's just a compulsion. And I can't tell you for how many years that question would like drift up in the background. What's my infirmity? And, and go away. And then, after teaching this idea of liking ourselves more for many years, one day that question drifted up and I went, I didn't like myself. Wow. That was my infirmity. And it kind of came full circle and made it personal for me and wow. realized that that's kind of at the, at the foundation of, I think, most of the things that we need to understand or explore is that it needs to be personal. You know, if it's not personal, it can be interesting, but it doesn't touch us and move us in the same. So part, part of my journey was coming full circle with this challenge of not liking myself. And mm -hmm. I can give you an example of how little I like myself. So, mm -hmm. and, and, and I write about this in my book. Um, so when I was 19, I moved out of my parents' house and I realized I don't do anything well. At 19, I was a complete failure, which is already a joke, right? You haven't done enough to be a failure yet, you know? <laughs> and I thought about it, and I thought, I'm going to learn to do one thing well. And I picked brushing my teeth. Okay. I, mean, I wasn't really good at brushing my teeth. I have to be honest. And, but I, I, and this wasn't any insight in the beginning, but in retrospect, it was like it was such a great choice because – if I didn't do it, no one knew. Yeah. It was just maybe the dentist, but they already knew, you know. So <laughs> it was like I could practice this myself twice a day and get better at it. 
And the interesting, and I did, and of course, the interesting thing about it was that as I went through this lengthy process, it wasn't like a week, it was months and months, you know, that I started to realize how I sabotaged myself. Mm. How I cut myself short by saying, oh, I'm not going to do it. Why am I doing that? Why do I retreat from things instead of go towards them? And I started to realize this was like a big blind spot for me that was part of many other areas of my life as well, not just brushing my teeth. Mm. And so, you know, in, in the book, I, I, I give exercises in each chapter. And, and you know, if something like this is find some task that you do daily that no one would know if you didn't do it mm. and practice that. Because the success of getting better at something helps us like ourselves more. And if we talk about difficulties, I'm training myself how to move past something that's challenging. Mm. Right? But I'm starting with something that's innocuous. It's like it has no great meaning other than for myself. So I think that um, that's a, a, a big part of how I'm still learning mm. to like myself. But it could be something like just washing the dishes before you go to bed or picking up your clothes or turning the lights out or I don't know. It, you know, there's no end to the possibilities of how individually we can help ourselves get better. Mm. But starting small. Love starting small. Yeah. I love that. I love that story of brushing your teeth well. And yeah, it's something mundane and small. And yet yeah. the the reality is we absolutely can feel a sense of pride and ownership in those small things. And your story makes me think about. I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but I tell with pride the one New Year's resolution that I made and I kept and I still keep today is starting to floss my teeth. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's great. That's really good. Yeah. That's and so it, it relates, right? Where where uh, yeah. I hadn't related that to liking myself more, but noticing the the feeling of pride, like, okay, it's probably 11 years ago now that I made this right. New Year's resolution and I still do. I miss a few days here and there, but by yeah, it's okay. it's just, I floss my teeth. And, and uh, yeah, that's a fantastic uh, correlation there and connection of like, yeah, I like myself a little bit more because I, I took on this little habit and it's good. You know, when, 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 if I come back to the t- title uh, of, your, of your podcast about difficulty, I think that the like this idea of brushing our teeth or flossing our teeth, it can be seen as a challenge, a little bit of a difficulty. But most of us, our, our idea of difficulties are huge things. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how do my question is, how do I get better at, at like I said before, navigating the difficulties? And if I wait for the really big ones, it's almost intolerable. Mm-hmm. I have to start with something really small that I can build on, that I can practice. Like, like you said, if you miss a few days, or if I didn't brush my teeth well, who's gonna? I mean, like, what's the big deal, right? I mean, I mean, in the long run, it's not good for us, but in the immediate sense, nothing really happens. And and you know, and I think of picking something that I can make mistakes in, fail at, like. I don't want the airplane pilot to see 
let's see what happens if I don't do anything today. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. You've got a lot of people behind you. You're taking on. This yeah. is just us, you know, yeah. and it, it really sets. It's like the idea of liking ourselves more. If I do it just through moving in a way that I like the way it feels. And I don't mean all the time. I can't. I need the not liking the feeling of how I move to compare it to. Mm. If I felt it good all the time, how would I know it was any different? Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not like whatever my job is, I'm not going to become the best. Yeah, I want to be the best at my job. But if I make that the goal, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. I just torture myself. And then in that torture, I end up liking myself less. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's... I have two questions that are coming up for me. Sure. So let's see if I... Where, where I'll start. So one, there's a few individuals in my life that I know pretty well. And when I have asked them about liking themselves, they say, oh yeah, I like myself. I'm, I feel good about myself. Never really struggled with self-esteem, things like that. Mm -hmm. And yet I know these people well enough to observe some things that and this is my assessment, so I could be off, right? But it it seems like there's certain behaviors and interactions that are, I think there actually might be some hidden not liking yourself. You may not be aware of, right? And like you said, some people don't have the awareness or want to step into that. But I, I just toss that out to ask your thoughts on, you know, people that seem to think they really like themselves and yet also demonstrate some behaviors of being quite hard on themselves, quite hard on others, which I sometimes see as a reflection. If, if When I'm really hard on others, it's really because I'm actually being hard on myself sort of thing. So anyway, there's not a real clear question there, but I'm going to stop talking and see where you take it. Well, I think the, because I'm making a distinction here between liking ourselves and liking ourselves more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I like myself, you know, I like myself, but more, what would that look like? So, you know, that's another question. If someone, if someone said, well, I already like myself. And I said, well, what would change for you to like yourself even more? Sometimes they say nothing, you know, I mean, or look, sometimes people, when I talk about this idea of liking ourselves more, they say, well, what about loving ourselves? Mm. And I say, well, let's start with something that's a little more approachable, right? And and to be honest, you know, the idea of loving ourselves, loving myself, it was years of learning to like myself more that I finally felt, oh, maybe I can love myself too. Mm. You know, I took this workshop once called the Hoffman process, very interesting thing. It's a residential thing, I think four or five days. And in it, um, you're not allowed to tell the other people, like 40 people in it, you're not allowed to tell the other people what you do. Hmm. So your identity is kind of a secret, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And then on the very last day, everyone gets to reveal who they are. And it's shocking sometimes. I'm like, that's who you, that's what you do. I was really surprised. But most of the workshop is about loving oneself. Mm. And so I was talking with four or five people at the end of the workshop, and we revealed what we do, and I was talking about that. 
And I said, really, what I do is I help people like themselves more. And all of them said, oh, that sounds a lot easier than loving myself more. And I thought, oh, that's, that's I'm in the right place mm-hmm. to, to teaching this. You know, of course, it's all on a continuum, right? But then it's like, like I said in the beginning, that the 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 the, the more I come, I become skilled or effective at liking myself. The next challenge. So I can give you. Can I read you something? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you know. My book is about liking ourselves more and creating more kindness. Mm. And I didn't realize, and I have to say that I, without, you know, being full of myself in any way, but I think that the things that I write about in terms of acting kindly towards myself or others that I write about, I feel some sense of accomplishment in that. Mm. Okay. But then when I finish the book, all of a sudden, I was like, oh my God, the next level of being kind is so out of reach. I don't know if I'll ever get there. Hmm. And I didn't expect that. I really was like, oh man, I didn't ask for this. Hmm. So I have a quote in the book from Ram Das. It says, when you go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees. Some of them are bent. You sort of understand that it didn't get enough light, and so it turned that way. And you don't get all emotional about it. You just allow it. The minute you get near humans, you lose all that. And you're constantly saying, you are to this, and I'm to this. That judgment mind comes in. And so I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. So for me, that speaks to the challenge I face. I consider myself judgmental, and I really, I, I haven't met many people who don't seem judgmental, if, even if they're correct in their judgments, you know, whether it's judgmental towards others or towards ourselves. And I travel a lot, so, you know, I'm in airports a lot, and I, I catch myself looking at someone I've never met, not even talking to them, and I'm making up a story about them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a negative story. It's like the people you talked about, where you see them acting a certain way, and maybe mm-hmm. it's a reflection of this or that. So I'm making up stories like that all the time. Sometimes they're positive stories, which turn out not to be true too, right? <laughs> so either way, I'm making up a story. And I became aware of this. And I'm glad you used that word before, because that's sort of the necessity in the moment is to have the awareness. And I'm still trying to figure out what's the key to opening that door to awareness Mm. for me to go, oh, I'm doing that again. Oh, And so I'm thinking about this and I'm catching myself doing this with strangers and stuff. And I thought, well, the quote, that's too long. I can't remind myself of the whole quote every time. But I, I narrowed it down to one word that if I catch myself doing it, I just say tree. And it's like the whole story dissolves. And I can just look at them more clearly, more openly, without guessing who they are or projecting about who they are, stuff like that. Mm. So this idea of being, and to me, that's a way of being kinder to someone Mm -hmm. as opposed to 
already judging them before I have an interaction with them. 100%. 100%. Uh, There's so much. Again, I have multiple questions popping into my mind. So I, I want to be sure, though, and ask you to share a little bit more about the kindness, the intentional kindness, because this is something that resonates deeply for me. I look around the world and... Wow, is there a lack of kindness? So many, and I, I currently live in Sri Lanka. I travel a lot to different parts of the world. That culturally, and I was I was in a different country recently where I was telling my husband about it, and I said, "This culture does not value kindness at all." And it was so interesting to to try to stay in a place of curiosity about it. Mm-hmm. Rather than judgment, right? Like, notice the judgments I have, like you're saying, then say tree. <laughs> and then be like, okay, let me be, let me be curious. And, and, and yet, like, it was glaringly obvious watching interactions, seeing how people treat each other. And having grown up in America, in, in theory, Americans value kindness, right? We don't always practice it super well, <laughs> but like culturally, there is a, seems to be a value there that is it's quite different like that that is not a value and so i look around the world and and i and i do think wow we i at least think we'd be better off with more kindness and and that kindness towards myself as well as others so again not a well formed question but just really want you to take this and and talk yeah. more about the kindness you just say one word and I'll riff on it. Don't worry. I Perfect. Go off. Um, so, so, there, so there's a lot of things in what you say. So, so one thing is, and I'll make a distinction between being kind to others and kind to ourselves. Mm. And many people are skilled at being kind towards others, but not to themselves. Yes. As a matter of fact, in the book, when I got to the part about writing about being kinder to ourselves, I got blocked for about five years. Wow. I was like, I need to learn more about this. I thought I was kind to myself, but I really needed to investigate it more. Hmm. And I see that in different cultures. I see some cultures where people are very kind to others, but not kind to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, And I see others where they're kind to themselves, but they're not so kind to others. But at least that's how it appears because of the perspective that we come from. Mm. And so the like living spending time in another culture that seems I'm thinking of a few in, of, in my head, but I don't want to name them because it's gonna sound very judgmental. And and I, I think it feel the cultures feel harsh to me. Mm-hmm. Or aggressive. Mm-hmm. But then people, those people are born into that culture. That's who they are. That's not to say they aren't kind. Right. Because, because of the way they speak to each other, that sounds much more argumentative or there's too much certainty in the things that they say that from the culture that I grew up in, it's like, whoa, that's a little surprising. Mm-hmm. But you know, and this was a bit of a surprise for me, and it made me question my book, because ever since writing it, when I'm around in the world now, I actually see more kindness than I saw before. Aww. 
and, and, and that's that's on the individual level. Mm-hmm. Of course, the world's a mess with the wars and the things that are going on and the hunger. And, I mean, the, 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 the people relocating. And this, I mean, it's just horrifying to, to, to consider that. But on the individual level, I think, no, there's, there's more kindness out there than I imagine. And, 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 and when, I, when I meet someone who appears to me, at least, to not be very kind, I, I kind of get more interested in it. Like, how, how did this happen to you? Mm. Which already is engaging with them rather than trying to judge them and push them away. It's trying to understand them in some way. Mm-hmm. You know? here, here, I, don't, I don't know if this follows exactly, but it reminds me of a story that I wrote about. So, like I said, I fly a lot. And I was on a plane coming from Europe back to the States. And I was on the aisle, and there were two seats next to me by the window. And there was a, an Asian woman sitting there reading a book. And another woman, she was special. She couldn't stop talking. She was looking out the window and saying, oh, look, I can see my luggage. Can you see your luggage? And she's just yabba, yabba, yabba to the woman next to her. And I thought, oh, my God, eight hours of that. That'd be bad. Oh, I don't know how to do that. And, and she's jabbering away and says, are you Japanese? I've never met a Japanese woman before. And the Asian woman goes, I'm not Japanese, I'm Korean. I've never met a Korean woman too, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so at some point I turn around and the Asian woman, is gone, the Korean woman is gone. And this other woman is like trying to catch my eyes and I just keep going, you know. And I thought, whew. Well, a couple hours later I turn around and the Korean woman's back and the other one's gone. And I said, I'm sorry, I just have to ask, what happened? And she said, well, she was driving me crazy, so I complained, and they put me in business class. But then this other woman wanted her chance in business class. And I'm like, oh, the poor person in business class. Anyway, two hours later, I turn around again. The Asian woman's gone again. And this special woman is there, and she catches my eyes. And I felt myself doing this, just withdrawing. <laughs> and I caught that, though, again, that moment of awareness. Mm. And I kind of went, wait. And I kind of leaned forward, and I started talking with her. And we talked for about five minutes. At one point, I said, I'm going to go back to my book now. And she went, okay. And then I thought about this person. Here's a person who's incredibly moody, mm. who's wanting attention. And what's her life like? She's so needy and so demanding that everyone is doing this to her, which mm-hmm. makes her want more. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so it was like, oh, if I gave her my full attention, it quieted something in her, her need for more connection. Really, that's what we're talking about, whether it's with ourselves or others. It's a sense of connection through the world like that. Yes. And when I tell people that story, that sometimes they say, well, yeah, but you are on a plane. You don't have to be like, what are you, it's someone at work, they want to be your friend. And I said, you think so, but I haven't found that to be the case. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's clear to know our boundaries. We need to know our boundaries clearly so that I can say I'm going back to my book now. But that that poor woman, her whole life is felt. Imagine the lens that she sees her life through that everyone is pulling away. Mm-hmm. That's really a painful thing, mm. you know. So when I think of kindness in the world, that that it's these small moments like this that add up, 
to something like this. And you know, one thing I, I haven't talked about, which is with the idea of liking ourselves more, I, I would say I describe it as a kind of intrapersonal process, something that happens mm. in myself mm-hmm. to like myself more. And then I thought, well, how do I flip this into something that's more interpersonal? Mm-hmm. And it happened by accident. One day I did kind act. It wasn't so like an intentional thing, but it was some act of kindness. And I realized that when I did that, I liked myself a little bit. Mm. And it's not to like, I'm going to do a lot of kind acts to pat myself on the back and like myself more. It's that when we do something kind towards someone, and include ourselves in that too, we feel a little bit better. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. something that perpetuates it into other places, which is, which is why I wrote the book about intentional acts of kindness. So that it's not the random ones are great, mm-hmm. you know, and they happen, they're fun and exciting and people like it to share the story. But when it's something we can do on a regular basis, again, a little thing on a regular basis is the kind of thing that grows in us until what? Until our self-image changes, mm-hmm. whether it's liking ourselves more or feeling just better about myself generally in the world and the things that I do. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, so when I look at the world and the mess that we're in, you know, when I finished the book, um, Joe Biden had been elected, he was the president-elect, Trump was going out, and this wasn't a question of who you voted for. I'm not going to go into any kind of politics like that. But I was looking at what a mess the world is. And when I looked at, you know, in America, nearly half the company, half the company, half the, the country voted for Trump. I mean, that's a huge amount of people. It wasn't a minority. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people that were drawn to that personality, whether you like it or not, is not the question. And I was thinking, wow, what a mess we're in. And this is not just true in America. It's true in Poland and Japan and Sweden. Many countries are struggling with more radical right-wing views or even extreme leftist views of things that are extreme. One of the problems. And I thought, wouldn't it be something if there was a person who we could all go to to help clarify the world? Mm. Well, that's a completely unrealistic idea. Right. And then I got this great idea. What if there was a council of like the Dalai Lama and the Pope and a great imam and a great rabbi, and they could help be the council for the world? And then I discovered in my own um, ignorance of how many hundreds of religions there are that are going to feel left out. And like, you can't pick four. Right? <laughs> That's crazy. And, you know, I reflect, and I thought, now I've got the UN of religions, right? <laughs> and, and the UN was probably started with that intention, yeah. right? Let's all the countries come together and work things out. doesn't work. Right? Mm-hmm. It's still a mess, you know? And I came to an idea, which is it's not new at all. Uh, so it's not something I thought of. I just came to it, which is it has to start with ourselves, mm-hmm. that each of us individually need to practice this and then maybe if every one of us practiced it a little bit more then maybe the world could start to change and it's, it's always starts with us yeah doing something like that. so yeah 
Yes, it is. And I know I was just talking with someone the other day about a similar theme and saying, well, this is what I can do. And it's just a drop in the bucket. But if there's enough drops going into the bucket, it'll fill the bucket eventually. And I think there's such beauty in what you you shared, Alan, particularly going back in your reflections about when you do that intentional act of kindness, you end up feeling more positive towards yourself and liking yourself more. And that's that's such, I'm going to use the word magical, it's the magical beauty of it where I, first of all, I think intentional act of kindness, okay, that is going to be directed outward. And then I also benefit inwardly. And it's this beautiful synergy between those intentional acts of kindness and then liking myself more. And if we could spread that message, I'm glad you are spreading this message and and I'm helping now (laughs) spread this message. You are helping a lot. It is really beautiful. When you talk about the drop in the bucket, because um, there are different perspectives on it. I, I know, like, I, I grew up in New York City, and um, I remember when they started recycling. And at first, it was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's recycle. And then you get, I'd get lazy about it. I'd see other people who weren't doing it. And I thought, well, what's the point? So many people aren't doing it. Why bother? I go like that. But there was one place where I saw how the drop in the bucket actually worked. Mm. And that was fundraising. Mm. I've had the opportunity to fundraise for different causes and stuff like that. And I was surprised how quickly a dollar contribution wound up. That's cool. It really came to something. And a $10,000 contribution, well, that's fantastic. But And then someone who only has $1 feels like, well, it's only us. I bought it. No, it makes a difference, mm. you know. And and I've seen that in our legal system too, with legislation. That if enough people contact their senators and congressmen, the system can actually work, mm. even though it feels like it's not working. Yeah. In, in the local politics, I've seen it work. Yeah. You know, and it's like that really makes a difference. But it's the commitment of ourselves individually to to do that. Yeah, you're a little less lazy sometimes. Mm. Yeah, yes, Alan. I I would love to ask you shared your reflection and your practice of taking that quote from Ram Dass and just that the word trees that that just kind of helps focus you and and bring you back to awareness and step away from judgment. And I'm wondering, are are there particular practices that you have in your own life to keep you aware of opportunities for intentional acts of kindness or, or just being really intentional about those intentional acts of kindness. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, my book is actually a workbook, right? Mm. So in the beginning, it's like an investigation of kindness, right? And I don't start with where do you want to be kinder? I start with where are you already kind? Mm. Let's start from there. Let's build on a good foundation rather than feeling lack of who are not yet who mm-hmm. we want to be. Mm-hmm. And each chapter has exercises to do. So I, I give you an example of one. And this is kind of a funny story because it happened when I just finished the chapter. And it was about tipping for generosity. Mm-hmm. And I thought one place to practice generosity 
is when you tip someone. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, I have to be clear, it has to be within your means. It's not to be careless with your money or anything like that. But right. if you can afford it for every $5 that you tip, add a dollar. Mm-hmm. So if it's, if it's a $10 tip, give $12. If it's a $20, give $24. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and maybe it's not a dollar. Maybe it's 25 cents. It's whatever you can find you can reasonably do. Mm-hmm. And when I finished that chapter, I went out to dinner with some friends that night. There was a local place and the bill was $70. And mm-hmm. I grabbed the check and I thought $70, I like to give 20%. So that's another $15. I'll give $85. And I had a hundred dollar bill in my pocket. And I thought, I'm going to give the whole thing. And in that next moment, I just retreated into myself. That's too much. And you, what are you thinking? That's crazy. Why are you doing that? That's the, and I was like, wow, what a strong emotional response to my own idea. Mm. Right. And I ended up giving the hundred dollars and it wasn't easy. It mm. was like, okay. And I thought $15 isn't going to make or break me. Mm-hmm. But when I left the restaurant, the waitress stopped me and said, you just made my night. Oh. And I thought, Oh, that's it. And I can't say that when I go to pay the check that I no longer have those feelings of uncertainty. Is it mm. too much? Blah, blah, blah. I still do. Mm. But I'm able to linger there shorter, right? And move on and do it. See what happens. You know? mm. So it's, uh, so I mean, everything in my book is about guiding people towards everyday things you can practice and get better at. Until you feel like, yeah, this, this is more of who I am right now. And it's not comfortable. I'm not saying this is an easy process. This is a challenging process. But that if it's what you want and who you want to be, here's some tasks that you can do to help guide you in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, you know, like pushing ourselves. I, I tend to be somebody somewhat ironic, people who know me well, that I have a podcast called Make Life Less Difficult because I actually make my life more difficult in all sorts of ways. And and sometimes very intentionally with, you know, triathlons or hikes, you know, in the mountains that are very physically challenging and and things like that. But there's, there's this idea of like expanding our, I like to say expanding my courage zone. I don't like the idea of getting outside my comfort zone because that just sounds like more hard than it needs to be like, but to expand my courage zone. And that's what makes me think of what you're saying is noticing those times. Like it it was your own idea to leave the extra money for the tip. And yet even your own idea, I mean, noticing and being aware of your own reaction and then, and then expanding yourself, stepping into that challenge and expanding your courage of like, okay, I'm going to do it and see what happens and trust. And it's not going to make or break me. And yet, wow, what a what a difference it made in that person's life in that moment. And that's, I mean, it's one of the it's one of the beautiful things, right? There's a lot of messes going on in the world, and then there's just these beauty, yeah. beautiful moments that can happen one on one with those intentional acts of kindness that really are incredible. When you describe it like that, I I talk. I had a Zen teacher once who said. We can view our desire to change as an act of aggression towards ourselves. Hmm. 
Because when we want to change something, often we want to get rid of something or throw it away or wish it wasn't there. And you, you, you described it well, I thought, I'll piggyback on it, which is that the evolution of ourself is not to get rid of something, hmm. but if, 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 like, if that's me, it's that big, it's not to eliminate that, then who am I? But it's to grow myself so now that's me. Hmm. So now this is only half of who I am. I am now. And if I grow myself more, it's a third until it's a fifth. And yeah. that, that evolution is one of a perceptual shift, right, to be able to evolve ourselves and become more. And the funny thing is, that me that maybe I didn't like still exists. Mm. It doesn't go away. It just mm. doesn't hold my attention. or It's not as big a part of who I am over yes. my lifetime. So, and I think that's Again, an important thing to remind ourselves of that we're not going to get rid of ourselves. Mm. We're stuck with ourselves. Unless, God forbid, you have a stroke or some kind of brain damage, you know, this is who we are. It's going to always be there in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that expansive uh, thought of, of, yes, continuing to expand ourselves and add in those elements like brushing our teeth, flossing our teeth that allows us to like ourselves more. And yes. Um, Alan, this has been a beautiful opportunity to, to be in conversation with you. And I'm so grateful. And I'm wondering before we officially conclude, would you say a little bit more You've mentioned a number of things about the work that you do, your book. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity to say anything specific about that. And I'll include links in the show notes. But if there's a particular place you want to tell people to find out more about you and, and your work, um, what what is that information? So I, I think I just realized that we never I never even talked about the title of the book. So the title of the book is Practice Intentional Acts of Kindness and Like Yourself More. And like I said, it's a workbook, and probably the easiest place to find information is on the website, practicing-kindness.com, and it's available as a paperback, a Kindle. I call it a Kindle, not a Kindle. Nice. (laughs) That's great. And also as an audio book as well. And and then if people are interested in other work, they can just Google my name. I have several websites and all about what I do and on those websites are often emails so if people have questions they can always contact me and if you ever email me and you don't get a response within three days I didn't get it because I'm fast with email so send send another one yeah and I you know I hope that I hope that this conversation regardless of whether you get the book or not I mean I hope this conversation moves you to consider your own life Mm-hmm. and what you want in it and how you feel towards yourself and how you can act towards others in a kinder and gentle way. Yeah. Well, it's been very inspiring and I'm so grateful for making the connection with you and getting to spend this time with you today. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure talking with you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to today's conversation and episode of the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. Editing is done by Joseph Burdock. Artwork is by Emma Burdock. I'd be honored if you took a moment to share this with a friend and or leave us a review. Together, I truly believe we can make life less difficult.